Hi, hello and welcome to Youth Updates, a regular drop of info to help keep you in the know when it comes to youth culture. Hello and welcome to another Youth Updates podcast episode. We are so glad that you are with us and join us for another episode in another month. Uh, my name is Hannah. Uh, my name is Beth. Um, we're delighted that you're back with us and this time we're actually doing a bit of a special one-off because Ooh. we're not doing three different insights into youth culture this month we're going to do one big one it's a uh, you know perfect for the festive season uh, because you know we're gonna talk about sexting the hot topic yes. of sexting so you know as the famous song goes tis the season to talk about sexting but we have got a guest who's going to be joining us today and he is uh, very well versed and has lots of wisdom around sexting and those are practical elements to do with that um, his name is John and we are absolutely delighted to have him with us today so our guest on this podcast is currently National Director of Safeguarding for a large education and social change charity. Uh, he's originally trained as a nurse working with life-limiting illness, worked as a contractor for the World Health Organization before moving to a large local authority to work alongside the social care referral system looking at multi-agency early help systems. Wow, I know. what a resume. He's also currently in the third year of, as if that wasn't enough, <laughs> of, a, of a PhD looking at the motivations for sexting in teenagers and the external factors that influence behaviours. So Whee! I think he knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah. sounds like it. <laughs> Should we get our guests to say hi? Yeah. And give hi, us it makes me sound really old now that you've said all that about me. But hi, I'm, I'm, my name's John. Um, Lovely. Great. And we have got some questions for you on the topic of sexting. Yes, we do. So as we've already said, we're going to be looking at sexting. And John, we'd just like to know, first off, for clarity for everyone, how is sexting defined sort of in real life and literature? And also, what is the prevalence of it in the UK? Like, yeah, is this a big deal? Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's a really interesting question. And, and a lot of my answers, I'm not going to give you a direct um, answer to. Because um, the literature is is quite divided on it. When when it originally came to light, sexting was a phrase that was used by a reporter in two thousand and nine, and it sort of caught on. And it's the obviously it's the mix of the word sext and text mm -hmm. to sexting. Um, and originally, it just related to images, uh, so self so selfies or photograph taken of. Um, nudity or indecency um, but actually since then it, it's expanded to include things like um, text message actual written message of note voice notes yeah. or emails or um, that kind of issue or uh, links to pornography or or self-made films but it also includes things like hand-drawn images or pseudo photographs where a, a, a head's been transposed onto a body of somebody else. So the original work really just focused on images, 
But actually, if you want to truly define sexting, you've got to include all those other modes of uh, transferring information. Whether it's a, a really big issue or not, well, the answer is yes. The government commissioned um, a meta-analysis of all the different research papers in 2021 um, and determined at that point that 22% of UK teenagers were involved in sexting. But the other issue that they didn't clarify was whether they were talking about uh, people who had sent a message or people who had received a message. So whether you're active or whether you're passive. Um, and you, it's like measuring, it's like counting fruit. You can count fruit, but are you counting apples or oranges? Or are you counting everything? Um, so it, it's a really cloudy picture. Actually, some research that I did in 2018 and 19 um, showed that 43% of teenage boys are involved in sexting, both active and passive. Um, and of those, uh, a significant number were actively involved in sexting strangers or passing information about themselves to strangers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> As part of my PhD, I'm doing a longitudinal study, so I'm looking at the changes from 2018 to 2021, and it will be 22 because my data is still being collected. Mm. But the, the initial analysis has shown that it's increased from 43% of teenage boys involved to 57% of teenage boys involved. Gosh. So is it a prevalent issue? Yes, it is. Uh, and it's around 60% of our boys are involved in it. Wow. So that's kind of tipped over into, they're probably more likely to be involved mm. than, than not involved. That's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to another kind of question, another topic for you is how can sexting be perceived by young people and professionals how's it viewed differently the same what's your experience it's a really good question and actually once again I'm not going to give you a straight answer because I think if you if you look at it from the paradigm of a youth worker or a schools worker or a professional you might look at sexting as a risky behavior that that's um, a, a move away from societal norm is a deviant behavior and therefore would be seen as a, a risk and often in the literature literature then would be described as images of child abuse if you looked at it from a teenager's perspective they may not see it from that risk-taking behavior they may see it as part of um, teenage normal behavior sort of normalcy kind of approach and so they would see it as part of normal adolescent development uh, as something that everybody's doing and it you know and if it is 60 percent then it almost is everybody's doing it mm. and they would see it then as a definition of self-generated images so there's that the paradigm of risk and a paradigm of normalcy um, and yeah. I think that's where the problem sits with the way we address this in our society because a school curriculum will start off by saying sexting is illegal, you'll get arrested if you do it. And 60% 60 of the people are sat in the classroom saying, well, I did it last night and I've not been arrested. Uh, and therefore, I'm not going to listen to you because what you're telling me is not the truth. Mm. So it's that. I mean, it's not quite as clear cut as that. But, you know, there's those there's, there's two um, paradigms, really, as, as the way you could view sexting. Yeah, definitely. And you, I mean, there's loads to unpack, even in what you've just said, really. But. I mean, 
you said there that teenagers and young people can often see it as something quite normal and there's the normalcy about it and the view then of those who care about or work with young people will often view it as something that is risky and I guess are there risks associated with sexting or is it just grown-ups being you know worried about something they shouldn't be sort of yeah are there risks associated with it essentially well because I'm not giving you a straight answer to anything so far I'm going to carry on on that trend um I think it depends who's investigating it and to the paradigm that they come from will, will be how they report on it. So if you view sexting as a, a social deviance, then you will associate it with risk. Mm. Um, and certainly where sexting has been coerced or where sexting is done with the intent to, to, to harm somebody, sort of blackmail or to um, share their images without their consent, there's definitely a harm there. There's a criminal intent and there's a criminal harm there. If that sexting has been part of a romantic relationship and two people are in love and, and choose to send images, then where's the harm in that? And a lot of the um, published research talks about a risk to mental health uh, and a risk around uh, increased drug taking or smoking or risky sexual behaviours because they've come from that risk paradigm, you could argue, and it, and it is argued by some sociologists, that actually sexting is safe sex, because if you're doing it in your room online to, to your partner, you're actually cutting down teenage pregnancies, you're cutting down uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, there's some evidence to say that it, it has a positive impact on mental health, because you're getting validation uh, from somebody that you respect or somebody that you love or from your peers so actually the research is isn't very conclusive there's a, a new stream of research that's saying actually sexting possibly might be linked to poor parenting or association with delinquency rather than the cause of so it, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg which comes first the fact that you're a delinquent or the fact that you're sexting um, or is, is one the cause of the other? Uh, and so really the research doesn't come out with any, any prescriptive way. What is clear is there's very little evidence that sexting will have an impact on your longer term career. Um, because if you're, if you're romantically sexting a partner, um, you know, why would that ever come out? And certainly there's, there's a chance that it would show up on your DBS if you were convicted. They're, they're not very clear on that one either. So a lot of the things that we say about, well, don't sex because you won't be able to get a job in the future or you won't be able to get to university hasn't actually been shown in case law when, when sexting between teenagers. Good to know. I feel like I'm learning so much. <laughs> we just hear like, I, yeah. I mean, obviously you can't say this on the podcast, but me and Beth are just nodding. nodding. Right. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, what, what in your experience is kind of the, the legal position and stance taken by police? I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit about the, you know, schools come in yeah. and go, you're going to get arrested if you do this. And young yeah. people are like, well, um, but yeah, what's, what's your experience with that? So the law is really clear, but images under 18 are illegal. Full stop. No, no discussion about it. Um, and we've got to move away from things like describing child pornography. There's no such thing as child pornography because porn is consensual and children can't consent to porn. So it's the, the classification is, is images of child abuse. Um, 
So, so it's illegal. What we have to look at is the motivation behind that image. Uh, and the police, when investigating, will, will look for the motivation. If the motivation is two 14-year-olds or two 15-year-olds who are in love, um, they will judge that it's not in that child's best interest to progress a prosecution. And they've got what's called outcome 21 that only the police can decide on. And outcome 21 is you've done something wrong, but we're not going to prosecute you. You don't get, it's not recorded as a crime. You're not punished, but you've got this outcome 21 against, you know, recorded. Um, if you've done it as an, a criminal intent, so you've, you've coerced an image out of somebody and then you're, or you've shared that image without their consent, or you're an adult, um, getting images of children that's with criminal intent that would be prosecuted and prosecuted to the full extent and there's a whole set of of legal um, judgments that would would apply to that one um, so it's that it what what we need to be considering is the motivation behind that image um, so a boy that's that's going to the gym uh, and has increased his musculature um, from a weed to a you know a he-man might send images that would be considered indecent has he done it with the intent to to shock or to horrify or to do no he's just boasting about the fact that his muscles are big or something else might be <laughs> um the motivation there isn't in with the intent to harm and therefore that would get an outcome 21 and you know probably his parents confiscate his phone for a while if somebody done it to create um to blackmail or to coerce more information or to get them to do stuff online that they shouldn't be doing then the law would take a much stronger view interesting yeah so a lot to do with like motivation and intent which is really really interesting and i, I guess on it's really helpful to practically know some of this stuff i think especially for those working with young people and i guess as youth workers like i mean some practical help is always a dream but like as youth workers have you got any advice on how we should deal with this topic? I guess in a sense of, you know, is this something we should be approaching in youth work sessions? Or how do we deal with it in youth work sessions? But also if there's a disclosure as well. So I guess those are probably the two most common sort of scenarios and contexts that we might want to engage with it, I guess. If, if you read some of the stuff where young people have been asked what they want to learn, the first thing they said is they're sick of being told old information that they've, they've heard a hundred times. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm being told it 101 times, uh, another time, what's the point? Um, they, what they want is stuff that's relevant and stuff that's new. And if sexting is a big issue for our, our society, then we need to be addressing it. Um, so just talking about romantic relationships and boyfriends and girlfriends or partners or whatever it might be is good, but we need to then take it on further because if 100% of kids in relationships are sexting, we need to mention that in the work that we do. And shying away from it because we feel uncomfortable about the topic just means what we teach becomes less relevant to that young person. Mm. And if we don't teach it, if we don't mention it, how are we going to get young people? How are we going to encourage young people to talk to us when they've got a problem? Because if you wouldn't mention it in your church youth group session on on relationships, if you didn't mention it, then I don't think I can talk to you about it because you're obviously avoiding that subject. Mm. The more open we are, the more likely we'll have young people coming to us and saying, "You mentioned this. Actually, I've got a problem. Can I talk to you about it?" 
Um, so I don't think we should shy away from these topics. And I think we need to look at more of the contextual issues that our young people face rather than the bits that we feel really comfortable delivering on. And then secondly, if we do have a disclosure, um, I always say in, in terms of a disclosure, you need to be considering yourself really privileged because that young person has identified you as somebody that they can trust and some that they can share what is for them possibly the most darkest, deepest, dirtiest secret that they've got mm -hmm. and they feel they can talk to you about it. Um, so A, we should be encouraging disclosures because we need to be those safe adults that young people can approach. And then there are things that we can do. So we need to consider the motivation behind that sexting issue um, to consider whether the parents should be involved. And probably in most cases, I would say that we would involve parents. We might we might have a rethink about that if it was, say, two people from different faiths um, where that might cause problem for that child if, um, you know, you shouldn't be going out with that person anyway. Or if it was a people of the same gender and they're not out to their parents yet, we might place that child in additional risk by outing them um, through those circumstances. So we might consider dealing with that disclosure independently of parents. Um, and then finally, there are organisations like the Internet, Internet Watch Foundation and Childline who've got a partnership where they actively remove images from the internet. So if a young person's image is, has been shared on the internet uh, and is out there for everybody to see, the IWF can find that image and can delete it um, across the whole internet. So it's actually not true that once your image is on the internet, it's there for the, for, forever because wow. they can be taken down. There are, there are ways of doing it. Um, and you can report images like that confidentially. It doesn't have to be named and shamed. Which even just knowing that exists in itself is really helpful, I think, to know about and also to to know that there is something practical that can happen if a young person's worried mm. or if something sort of, you know, untoward has happened. Yeah. And... I think I think often it can be presented in a way to young people, like what you said, John, where it's like once, once it's out there, that's it. And you could have a young person come to you absolutely distraught because like yeah. that's happening. Mm. It's nice to be able to tell them all actually, you know. There's, there's something we can do here. Mm. So, well, not we, but like there is yeah. something that some people can do. Yeah, that's really there's, cool. Definitely. There's an awful lot of research that said that fear tactics don't actually teach people anything. Mm. Um, Just teach you know, them to be scared. Yeah, well, it, it <laughs> yeah. teaches them to be scared, but then it doesn't change behaviours. Mm. What we've got to look at is new ways of doing things, uh, and the more open you are the less likely people are, are to do something. So there's a, there's a whole range. I won't go into all the sort of different areas that this has been pro proven in, but um, it's a proven research theory that if you teach somebody about the whole thing, they're less likely to do it than scaring them. Telling you you'll go to prison doesn't stop you. Um, mm. So almost kind of incorporating into incorporating this into like a healthy rounded presentation of relationships to young people mm. I guess and yeah yeah and definitely something to consider which you know I imagine for most of us is not the most comfortable or easy topic that we want to be talking about but then it's not about what makes us comfortable it's about what they need which I think is the important thing well um, sex and relationships is one of the motivations for sexting there are other there are other occasions where people will sex just to check out their body image. Um, so, you know, am I normal? Have a look at this. Is this normal? Mm. 
or as a way of gathering social status. So belonging to a group uh, and creating that group identity. So a group of mates may well send pictures to each other as a, as jokes and as banter, but actually <laughs> it's it still needs to be addressed. It's not always relationships and it's not always abuse. There are mm. body image and social status issues involved in this as well. Mm, gosh. Mm. Well, I mean, thank you, John, because I mean, I feel like just sitting here, I've learned loads Me from too. listening to you. And I'm sure that, you know, given that you're doing a PhD, there could be a lot more information that you could throw our way. Um, but yeah, I'm sure this will be really helpful for those listening. And just thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We've loved having you um, and think this has been absolutely brilliant. Pleasure. So thank you very much for, for inviting me. I mean, there was loads there to learn and get our heads around. I know I've learned loads of new things. And I think what John has done there has given us a real practical foundation and overview of sexting so that we, as those who care for and work with young people, whether we're parents or youth workers, can think how that translates and how we um, foster that aspect and that topic when it comes to faith and discipleship um, and gives us some really good stuff to mull over. Mm, yeah definitely I feel like I've learned quite a lot and we are going to go into the time of the podcast that I know everyone just looks forward to everyone loves and we're going to do word of the month so three two one word of the month word of the month word of the month word of the month word I like that you went festive. I'd like to apologize for everyone's yeah. listening years <laughs> you went festive I went chaotic yeah it was Which together place. created an earache <laughs> for everyone listening we apologize <laughs> we apologize um so our word of the month uh for this month is bop and it's not related to oh what was that again like bop it yeah yeah anyway it's not related to that that was a complete segue um but a bop kind of relates to music and it means that maybe a song or something that you have listened to you would say oh that's a bop and it means you know that's you know I can't get the phrase out of my head other than that's a good tune but that makes me sound (laughs) really old but that's basically the equivalent of it like that's a bop that is um you know something that they have enjoyed listening to um a song that they would say is really good um yeah any examples of that there yeah so I get you know let's go festive because we're coming up to Christmas to say someone might go oh all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey is such a bop and I would go, no, it's not, because I hate that song. Do you? Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Ooh. It's overplayed. It's overplayed. Um, <laughs> there are lots of other Christmas songs that I enjoy, however. Um, there are bops, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, that is our word of the month. So word of the month this month is bop. Very nice. Well, that is it for this uh, Times podcast. We are delighted to have had you listening once again. And we do hope that you have a very merry festive season. And we'll be with you again in 2022, which is terrifying to say. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We will see you soon. Bye. Bye.